turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. City WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. Today we experience the world's hatred for the simple reason that they hate Jesus Christ. The world persecutes believers. It may not be in the form of physical violence. It is in some places, and it may result during this church age where some of us may have to lay down our lives for the gospel's sake. But oftentimes we're persecuted in a mental way, uh, perhaps a job-related way, perhaps a family way, perhaps a psychological way. But there is persecution. However, what Jesus wants them to understand is that the persecution is really directed at him. The world has nothing personally against us. In fact, they may like us personality-wise, but they can't stand Jesus Christ. However, they can't persecute him anymore. They already did that. They put him on the cross. We put him on the cross. And they can't get to Christ anymore, so they come after us because we reflect him and we are like him. Jesus said, if you were of the world, the world would love you. suppose too many people like the idea of persecution. However, for those who follow Jesus Christ, it is inevitable at some level. You are listening to Verse by Verse, a radio program that seeks to clearly teach God's Word. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff. He is the pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. For those of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are no longer part of the world's system. We are to be different, holy, set apart, like Jesus Christ. Those are all things that will remind people of their own sin, and they won't like that. That's why Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, All who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Now, if you have your Bible and are able to follow along, please turn to Mark chapter 13 as Pastor Steve continues with the series, birth pains for the kingdom. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. And then verse 21, but all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. Now today we experience the world's hatred for the simple reason that they hate Jesus Christ. The world persecutes believers. It may not be in the form of physical violence. It is in some places. And it may result during this church age where some of us may have to lay down our lives for the gospel's sake. But oftentimes we're persecuted in a mental way, uh, perhaps a job-related way, perhaps a family way, perhaps a psychological way. But there is persecution. However, what Jesus wants them to understand is that the persecution is really directed at Him. The world has nothing personally against us. In fact, they may like us personality-wise, but they can't stand Jesus Christ. However, they can't persecute him anymore. They already did that. 
They put him on the cross. We put him on the cross. And they can't get to Christ anymore, so they come after us because we reflect him and we are like him. Jesus said if you were of the world, the world would love you. The world likes its own because those in the world sort of reaffirm their values. But once you're pulled out of the world, you are to be different. You are to be holy. You are to be like Jesus Christ. And uh, people don't like that because it simply reminds them of their own sin. They don't want anyone around with holy standards. And they don't want anybody around unmasking their hypocrisy. Because they claim to love God. Many claim to be religious. And that's not the case. And when we come around and we stand around them and and, uh, our very lives unmask that and, and reveal what they really are. And so they come after us because they cannot get to Jesus Christ. That's why Paul said in 2 Timothy 3.12, All who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If you live for Christ and you stand up for Him and you just live out biblical principles somewhere along the line, you are going to endure persecution. Somewhere. It may not be a daily occurrence, but somewhere it will take place. Galatians 6.17 says, Paul said, For I bear in my body the brand marks of Jesus. That is to say that these marks were intended for Jesus Christ. So when they persecute you, the intention is to get at Jesus. But they can't get at him, so they get at you. Now the church age will end with the rapture of the church. Marvelous, marvelous events that we wait for. And all genuine believers will be caught up to be with the Lord. But this will not end persecution. John 15 is about persecution. But as you go back to Mark chapter 13, or John 15 is persecution in the church age, as you go back to Mark 13, you realize that contempt for believers in the tribulation period will escalate and increase, and they will suffer. Tribulation believers will suffer as no other generation of believers has suffered, not even the early church. They will suffer terribly, more than at any time in church history. Why? Because God will take his restraining hands off of Satan. When the church is is lifted and out of here, the Holy Spirit still remains. He remains to convict people, but he does not continue in his ministry of restraining sin like he once did. And we will not be here. By our very presence, we restrain sin to some degree. So God will take his sovereign restraining hands off of Satan, and therefore the devil will attack the saints with an intense vengeance. And he will do his persecuting primarily through the instrumentality of one man. We know him as the Antichrist. Revelation chapter 13 reveals him as the beast. He's also given another, uh, many other names in scripture. But he is a world ruler. There is a world ruler, scripture says, that is coming. The book of Revelation speaks of him. Uh, the book of Daniel speaks very clearly of him. And uh, we will understand more of him as we get further along into Mark chapter 13. But uh, let me just explain something right now and we'll hold off on, on a detailed explanation. The, the tribulation period will be seven years We know this from Daniel. We know this from the book of Revelation. You just have to, I guess, for right now, take my word for it. But in the future, we'll deal with this. Midway into the seven-year period, which will be three and a half years, the Antichrist will break a peace treaty with Israel. Actually, what officially starts the tribulation period is not the rapture of the church, but the signing of some type of a peace treaty with the nation of, of Israel. Now, I take it that the tribulation, the, the rapture will come and then the tribulation will follow right after it, but maybe a matter of days, weeks, it could be even months, but it'll be that time period. What officially starts it, according to Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, you don't need to turn there, but you ought to mark this down, you ought to be taking notes. Daniel 9, 27 says that the Antichrist will establish a peace covenant 
some type of a peace treaty with the nation of Israel, which makes sense as we look around today that uh, very few nations want to be friendly, uh, want to be friends with Israel. They have no friends except the United States, and we're on somewhat shaky ground. So you can see a lot of things shaping up. But he will pretend to be a friend of the Jewish people, but he's not a friend of the Jewish people. Halfway into the tribulation, he will break that covenant, and his true intentions and attitudes will be revealed. He is a hater of the Jewish people. Daniel chapter 7 verse 25 says he will speak out against the Most High. So he's going to blaspheme God and he will wear down the saints of the Highest One. That is to say that he will persecute God's people. In the context of Daniel chapter 7, he will persecute Jewish believers. Jewish believers. He will persecute all uh, Jewish people. He will, but he will specifically persecute Jewish believers. He will persecute all believers. But Daniel did not know about the church age believers. He was referring to Jewish believers. And uh, Revelation chapter 12, and let's turn to, to that area, Revelation 12 and 13, refers to Satan persecuting Israel. Revelation 12 is about that. It's couched in very symbolic language, but it's, it's clear when you go through it. It can only be Israel. And Revelation 13 explains how he will do it. So we turn to the book of Revelation. Chapter 12 says in general terms that Satan will persecute Israel. That's the woman who gives birth to the child. The woman is Israel. The child is Messiah. Chapter 13 gives us the details of how he's going to do it. And we'll look at verse 5. Speaking now of the Antichrist who will become the world ruler. And there, verse 5, and there was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies. This is just what Daniel 7.25 says. And authority to act for 42 months was given to him. Now, 42 months of a 30-month of a period is three and a half years. So halfway into the tribulation period is a three and a half year mark. He's going to be able to carry on his arrogant words and blasphemies. And, and he's going to war against the saints for three and a half years. That's the last half of the tribulation period. Verse 6, and he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, that is, those who dwell in heaven. So he's going to curse God in heaven and all believers in, in heaven. And it was given to him to make war with the saints. That is, the saints on earth. He curses those in heaven, and he's going to make war with the believers on earth. That's what saints means. It means believers. And to overcome them, and authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. So he becomes a world ruler... And he's going to make war with the saints. Now, the Antichrist personifies Satan's hatred for God, and therefore his contempt for believers will result in tremendous persecution. Tremendous persecution. Now, Jesus, as you go back to Mark 13, Jesus is referring to this persecution in Mark 13, chapter 13, verse 9. And the reason that I believe that this begins the midway point of the tribulation is because persecution takes place right here. Also, in Matthew's account of the Olivet Discourse, which is what Mark 13 is, is called by theologians because it was given on the Mount of Olives, this parallel verse says in Matthew 24, 9, it says, then, speaking of, let me, let me read it to you. He says, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and will kill you and you'll be hated by nations, by all nations on account of my name. That word then is a time word. Something is going to happen then there will be persecution. So I take it that until verse 8 he's referring to the first three and a half years of the tribulation period. Then 
the Antichrist will unmask his intentions and then he will begin to persecute believers and people will follow suit and they will persecute believers. Now, let's begin to, to study verse 9 and explain it. So you understand the context now. We're halfway into the tribulation period. There's been counterfeit Christ. There have been nations rising up against nation. There have been calamities on the earth, but now persecution. Jesus said, but be on your guard. Jesus warned them to be alert. That's what it means. The King James Version, I believe, says, take heed unto yourselves. In other words, be alert, be sober, be watching. Uh, this alarm to alert, though, we might think, well, they ought to be alert because uh, persecution's coming so they can run out of there. I don't think that's the primary meaning here. In fact, I don't think that's the meaning here. Later on, he'll say, when you see certain things happen, then run. But that's not the point here. This alarm to be alert is not given in order for believers to run away or to seek refuge or safety. Follow, follow what I'm going to say very carefully. Notice why Jesus told them to be alert. Now, this, this will hopefully tie together. Just read on in verse 9. For they will deliver you up to the courts, and you will be flogged in the synagogues. Be alert, because persecution is coming. He's not saying run from it. That's not why you need to be alert. Be alert, for they will deliver you up to the, to the courts, and, will, and you will be flogged or whipped in the synagogues. Let me explain in its Jewish context. In the context of a Jewish setting, uh, Jesus said the believers will be handed over to the courts. This word, courts or councils, uh, literally, you can translate it Sanhedrins. There was a major Sanhedrin in Jerusalem, which was the large body, the council of, of Jewish religious leaders who looked over the affairs of the nation. But every city and every synagogue had its own legal court, own legal council. That's what he's referring to. They were, they were right next to the synagogue. In fact, they may have even used the synagogue for this. And so he says that local Jewish courts, disciplinary courts... Will, you'll be delivered over to them. They were attached to the synagogues or in the synagogues, and these local council, councils handled charges of heresy and violations of the Mosaic law. If it was a religious matter, they, they brought you before these local councils. If you were to be found guilty, it meant that you, that you would be publicly whipped in the synagogues 39 times. Now we know that from church, we know that from church history, but also, and you ought to write this down, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four, because Paul says, "I was I was beaten thirty nine times. I received thirty nine lashes. I think in the authorized version says forty save one, it means thirty nine. And Paul experienced that. He was charged with being a heretic. That's what Jesus is saying is going to happen. There'll be punishments in a Jewish setting, of course, because many of these people. Believers will be uh, Jewish. Okay? Now in the process of being persecuted, Jesus said, and you will stand, notice verse 9, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them. Now that's important. In other words, in addition to facing Jewish judges, believers in the tribulation are going to stand before secular authorities. They'll stand before Jewish religious authorities and they will stand before secular authorities, kings and governors. And this will provide them, now watch this, this will provide them the opportunity to present the gospel and their testimony of faith in Christ before world leaders. Secular, Gentile world leaders. That's why Jesus said at the end of verse 9, as a testimony to them. This is why they'll need to be alert. 
They'll need to be alert because these persecutions need to be used as opportunities to witness for Jesus Christ. They will have unparalleled opportunity to share the gospel with world leaders who can take their message and have it go all around the world. All around the world. And this is critical to God's plan for the last few years before Christ returns. Notice verse 10. It all ties together. That's why Jesus said, and the gospel must first be preached to all nations. What's he referring to? He's referring to persecution being one of the instruments that God is going to use to get the gospel all around the world. Now let me explain this verse because this, verse 10, has been very misunderstood down through the ages in in church history. This verse does not teach that the more missionaries we send out and the more people hear the gospel, the closer we are to Christ's coming. Now you'll hear that from many. Jesus can't come back, people say, until everybody hears the gospel. Now, I think everybody ought to hear the gospel, but that's not what this is talking about. I ought to hear the gospel because that's what the Great Commission says. But let's not be naive or mistaught and misunderstand this, this verse. If we just could evangelize the world, then Christ can return. Sort of like we're keeping him away by not evangelizing the world. That's not true. That's not what this verse is teaching at all. Now, this verse teaches that during the tribulation period... During the tribulation period, the gospel will be proclaimed. This isn't even a command that says you must proclaim it or else he can't come. This is simply saying that during the tribulation period, the gospel will be proclaimed all over the world. This is God's divine decree, and it will happen. And persecuted believers sharing their testimony to influential world government leaders are a part of God's plan to accomplish his will. Now, this is not saying that everybody's going to accept the gospel. This is simply saying that the world will have the opportunity to hear it. It's an amazing truth. This is an amazing truth because it tells us that in spite of the fact that counterfeit messiahs will deceive people and nations will fight against nations and peace will be taken from the earth and worldwide disasters will destroy the earth, God is still going to fulfill his command. It's not going to have him stray from his decree, his plan is to proclaim the gospel, and it will be proclaimed because the light shines brightest when it's often surrounded by the darkest hour. And the nations of the world will hear it. Now, how's he going to do it? Persecuted believers are only part of the process. Let me explain a number of ways in which this is going to happen. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 7. And we, we really have to go back and forth with Revelation the reason I'm taking time for this is that there's a lot of confusion as about this and will there be believers in the tribulation period and, and what about those who are left behind? Does there ever come a time where people can't accept him? Is the age of grace end? Does that mean that no one can accept him? I want you to understand some things. So we're going to take our time and go through this. Revelation 7, let's look at 1 through 4. John says, After this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, so that no wind should blow on the earth or on the sea or on any tree. In other words, he's holding back judgment. Judgment is being held back. And I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, having the seal of the living God. A seal was to preserve and protect and to show ownership. And he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of our God on their foreheads. So he says, listen, no judgment. We don't want anybody dying until I put this seal upon certain people. And who are these people? Verse 4. And I heard the number of those who were sealed 
And remember, a seal is for protection and preservation. 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. Now let me explain. God is going to save and then set apart 144,000 people from the tribes of Israel. In other words, they're Jewish people. This is not Jehovah's Witnesses, as they claim. This is not any call. This is Jewish people. The sons of Israel are the sons of Israel. Physically Jewish people. 144,000 Jewish people are going to be saved and then set apart. This is not all of the Jewish people who will be saved. In fact, there will be a national repentance on Israel's part towards the end of the tribulation period. But 144,000 are going to be set apart, saved and set apart, and supernaturally protected and preserved. They will live throughout this time period. Why? In order to accomplish the task that God has called them to do, and that is the task of world evangelization, of sharing the gospel. That's why if you jump down to verse 9, you'll see this. After these things, I looked. After the people had been sealed, the 144,000 had been sealed, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. Where did these people come from? These are, these are the results of the worldwide evangelistic efforts of the 144,000 Jewish witnesses. John said, I I looked and I was shown a picture in the future of of a large number. A large number of people. Notice what he says. No one could count it. And these are not just Jewish people, but Gentiles as well. From every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues. Someone asked me last week, will Gentiles be saved during the tribulation period? Absolutely. Will Jewish people be saved during the tribulation period? Absolutely. Will a lot of people be saved during the tribulation period? Absolutely. Of course they will. This is amazing in light of the fact that at the beginning of the tribulation period, you know how many believers were on the earth? Zero. Church is raptured. No one begins as a believer until the tribulation period. And here's a number that John said no one could count. That's amazing. So the first way that the world is going to hear is through the 144,000 flaming Jewish evangelists, little Apostle Paul's running around the world, sharing the gospel. You know, I remember when we were in Israel, thinking about this, we were on the Mount of Olives, we were, we were talking about this very thing, and do you realize that if you are a citizen of Israel, you don't know just one language, you know many languages. Our good friend Zvi uh, knows about five or six languages. It's not uncommon in Israel for them to know two, three, four languages. How is the world going to hear the gospel? Through 144,000 multilingual flaming Jewish evangelists. Second way, Revelation chapter 11 speaks, it refers to two special witnesses. There'll be two witnesses, Jewish witnesses, sent by God. I take it that they are Jewish. I really shouldn't say that, but I guess, yeah, I guess they are because it's in the context of Israel. They will have the ability to do supernatural wonders. Many people think that they will, this will be Moses and, and Elijah come back. Uh, it's possible. It doesn't have to be. And the reason they say that is because the miracles that these men will perform are very similar to what Moses and Elijah did in the Old Testament. Don't worry about that. That's not, that's not the point. The point is they will have the ability to do supernatural wonders, and out of their ministry many will believe. Notice verse 7. 
And when they have finished their testimony, the beast that comes up out of the abyss, that is Antichrist, will make war with them and overcome them and kill them. This will be about the halfway point in the tribulation. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is mystically is called Sodom and Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified. In other words, he's going to kill them and for some hideous reason, leave their bodies in the streets. And that's going to be Jerusalem. That's where the Lord was crucified. And those from the peoples and tribes and tongues and nations will look at their dead bodies for three days and a half and will not permit their dead bodies to be laid in a tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry, and they'll send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. It's sort of like a perverted Christmas time. They died, let's send gifts to one another, and let's celebrate their deaths. That's what will be going on. Verse 11, And after the three days and a half, the breath of life from God came into them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell upon those who were beholding them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. We have heard another interesting topic related to the tribulation period, and that is the two witnesses. Did you ever wonder who they are? (laughs) Me too. As we went through today's study on our verse-by-verse program, we learned more about the two witnesses, and we will learn more about them on our next program. And perhaps the word supernatural is one that will come to mind while we listen next time. The gospel will be proclaimed during the tribulation, and people will come to Christ. That much is certain. So on the next verse-by-verse program, our speaker, Pastor Steve Kreloff, will explain more about the spread of the gospel during the tribulation. The fact that so many people are going to be saved during the darkest hour of the human race reveals that our God is a gracious and merciful God. In the midst of judgment, there's always mercy and grace, and that reveals the heart of our God. He doesn't want people to go to hell. He doesn't want people dying in their sins. So, are you ready for tomorrow's program? (laughs) Well, good. I guess we'll have to wait. See you then. 